That's how we're starting it. That's going to be the little clip at the beginning. Okay, perfect. <laughs> That'd be great. Yo, mama. Yo, mama. I'm going to keep it real with you. I can't, I can't wait till it gets annoying. It's just going to be like, oh my gosh, this stupid theme song. It will never yeah, get annoying. That's never going to happen. It's like the Full House theme song. People are going to be singing it forever. I don't remember it. Tell me. <laughs> everywhere you look. Everywhere. Oh, that is great. That is great. Did, did you see the Broncos schedule announcement? What? It was really cool. They randomly chose the Full House, and they had a bunch of the, all the Broncos players doing super 90s-looking things. And looking at the camera and like, you the know, Broncos. week tw- week seven versus the Dolphins. That's, that's pretty dope. I hope that we have a Broncos schedule to play. That'd be great because that means we have football back. Holy cow. We'll oh, have football out. Man. Too much money to lose. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay, we don't need to talk sports because I'm going to get sad. What I do want to tell you about, Nate, is I want to tell you a hot guy crying story, okay? Oh. If we, well, I, but we're not the hot guys on the pod, so I, I just want to tell you a crying story. So Saturday, my, my son Paul got baptized. And no, I'm sorry you weren't the godfather. Maybe, maybe one of my sons you will be. Maybe baby number seven. Yes, yes, exactly. I have lots of siblings. But it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Just wanted to share it with our listeners. It was truly one of the greatest spectacles I've ever seen in my life. Holding my son as the water's washing over his head I, I i i cried hard man it was i i i was thinking about it i don't know if i can ever do anything better for my son than to bring him to baptism what yeah this is this is almost like uh, well a more important day than his birth right right 100%. So, so we always celebrate birthdays. And just recently, like this year, I celebrated my baptism day as like a, this is just should be a celebration and a commemoration. Mm-hmm. Every single year, we, we should remember that our parents gave us this gift. Yeah. So you're right. This is the biggest day of his life. And so far of yours, like this is what your vocation right. is all about. Yes. Getting After our wedding heaven. day, this is the biggest day of, of Claire and I's marriage so far. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, wow. it was just really, really special moment. Wanted to share it with the pod. It was uh, truly undescribable, indescribable. I've heard it both ways. Okay, okay, good. So it was um, a great day. Got to celebrate with just like a small, uh, small number of my family members. Uh, it was really funny though. The, our parish is super old school. There's probably like ten old ladies working in the office. Have no idea how to work a computer. Our Parish priest is, he's got to be getting close to 70. So everything is analog. Nothing is on the computer. And Claire called twice to confirm, to make sure they knew our son was getting baptized in the church at 11 a.m. Saturday, May. Frick, I already forgot the day. I'm never going to remember this. (laughs) we, We show up and our, our priest, Father Bernardo is running around like crazy. He's looking at us and he goes, Guys, Alec, Alec, I'm sorry. Claire wasn't there yet. She was with Paul feeding him at home. Oh. Alec, I'm so sorry. Uh, St. John's, typical St. John's fashion, scheduled a wedding right after the baptism, and they need it for rehearsal. So we're going to have to do it all in a conference room in the church office. Oh, no way. So Paul got baptized in the middle of a mass in the conference room in the church office. 
which was kind of dope. It's a great story, but we were we were disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's special, I suppose, but uh, that's hilarious, dude. Yeah, that is it, typical of. Well, so Father Gale uh, refuses to use online calendars. Speaking of old people. Speaking of old elderly, uh, yeah, he he uses a a book calendar for the purpose of uh, when people come up and ask him to do things, he can always say, uh, "I don't have my calendar on me." If it was on his phone, <laughs> that's he would actually pretty great. <laughs> Let me check so, my book. Mm-hmm. It's a great. Uh, it's it's great for that, but it's horrible to schedule things. Sure, sure. <laughs> that's Man. a bummer though that you could be in church. Yeah, but it was an amazing day. Just just needed to share that with everyone. I did cry. It was it was totally worth it though, worth every tear. I should have splashed my tears on his forehead, like the waters of baptism. Do you think? Yeah, I wonder if they powerful? your tears can be used as the water. There's mm-hmm. nothing special about the water, right? They, they bless the water. So you, if you cry enough tears and then have the priest do the baptism with your own tears, now that is a baptism. Yes, I wonder if it would have been like the phoenix tears that uh that heal harry in the chamber of secrets spoilers mm-hmm. sorry yep he doesn't die in chamber no nope, no nope, he dies sure. later though oh <laughs> this is a lord of the rings pod not a harry potter pod i can't uh, wait for this lord of the rings pod yeah that last one so. we did was one of my favorite uh conversations we've had yet yeah it was really fun we've gotten some great feedback uh we also nate listen to this we also have our third official Patreon sponsor, not through Patreon, through Venmo. Clayton Caldwell, we have to give you a quick shout out. Thank you so much for becoming our, our third supporter from an undisclosed, very large amount of donation. We're really excited. And if you can't tell, we've used the money and we're improving Nate's sound quality. Hopefully, it works. That's, that's right. Big shout out to Clayton and that enormous sum of money. Um, and I hope this is working right now. Our, our test it sounded great. So I, mm-hmm. I hope this is a lot better than previous uh versions of the pod i did just realize we forgot to start the pod with a nate doggy dog i may need to clip it in <sighs> nah, we have started every pod with nate doggy dog and i don't just, beat yourself up be like our calling card i'm sorry i really screwed it up should we start over no okay okay this has no. been good okay all right all right well let's you, you want to jump into it the fellowship- let's get into the, the fellowship of the ring the first part of the three part lord of the rings series mm-hmm. um we were talking You're... about what what we should do throughout this uh, whether this is a book pod whether this is a movie pod and we we decided it's an everything pod so everything yes. to do with fellowship the book it's not even just both book and movie it's everything it's everything so it's mm-hmm. uh is this the the best of the three movies let's start there is this the best movie of the three of the trilogy well, real quick, I, before, before I answer that, this is, this is kind of how Nate and I want to format this, is this is just question and answer. These are the questions that need to be answered. The questions that you've always wanted answered about the Fellowship of the Ring. And that question, I think it's the best of the three, but it's not my favorite to rewatch. I will say that. I think it's the best of the three because it's the most complete um, even, even though it doesn't end completely. I remember watching this as a kid and being so confused why it stopped where it did. Like I, I said in the last pod, I was, was it 2000 or 2001 it came out? 2000, I think. 2000, okay. So I would have been a first grader, kindergarten or first grader when I went and saw this. And I remember looking at my Uncle Tim and asking him, well, what happens to the ring right at the end? Because I was so lost why it ended right there or it did. 
What do you, you know? So I watched it with Emily uh, a couple weeks ago, and she had the Emily exact who? same mm, Eichel Boga, Eichel Boogers, as some have called her. But the uh, nice. she was so confused as yeah, they they really do just cut it off like. But it, I, I guess it's a great ending point because the the, the fellowship does end right there. Yes, it, it breaks. Frodo and Sam take yeah. off. Uh, the three go find the other hunters or the other hobbits. Um, but in in the book, I'll tell you this: I'll be one of those guys that keeps on saying, "Well, in the book, yes, in the book, it, it is even more abrupt." Uh, and all of the kind of books end like that: a very much a cliffhanger, very much like, "Oh shoot." now we got to wait for the next one to, mm-hmm. to come out type of deal. Um, so you, you end the chapter and then the next chapter just starts up like in the middle of uh, the, that battle that, that the movie ends with. Um, so I, I think the movie did the best it could. Uh, and it did a really good job of, of ending this uh, uh, in a, in a really good way that made you have to go see the next one to see what would happen to Frodo and Sam, whether Mary and Pippin are going to be rescued. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is Gandalf really dead? All these, all these kinds of things. Yeah. But to answer the question, Nate, is this the best of the three? Yes. It's the best movie of the three movies. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's the best movie uh, start to finish and it, and it uh, is the most complete. As, as far it. as like a, a hero's journey type of deal. Yeah, that, it has that's, a, what I, that's what I agree. You see, you see a tangible change within Sam and Frodo from the beginning to the end. Um, it, this is where, I, this is the reason I love it so much like you said, because of the hero's journey, but also because of the first 30 minutes. And this is my question is, is there a more beautiful opening 20 to 30 minutes in movie history? I just love the Shire so much. That's why I ask it. It's hard to say a more beautiful opening. Um, and that's exactly the, the, the point of the Shire, if you will, is it's just like to be at home there. That's what Tolkien was writing about. That's what the movie did such a great job of showing of this is just this pastoral land where everyone just has a place. Um, everyone is welcome there, except if you're not a hobbit, you know, like the hobbits themselves, they, uh-huh. they belong to that land. Um, Tolkien loved that about England. And that's what, um, when he was fighting World War I, uh, that's a lot of what uh, got him through that that time was just these thoughts of of his home uh, in his homeland and you'll find throughout the the movie in the book fighting for home that's dope yeah so throughout the book and throughout um the movies you have the the hobbits keep on bringing up i wonder what's happening in the shire and the frodo says a couple times like i don't even think i'll get back there i think this journey that i'm going on won't ever let me go home but Mm -hmm. it is still worth protecting even though that I, i won't ever set foot there it's a good thing for him to have that ground to leap off from and that memory of home to fight for, um, which I think is yeah. important for all. Yeah, of that, us. And that's why they, they yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's great because they, they really, really do paint this absolutely gorgeous, beautiful picture. You want to go when you watch this, you want to be there. The music, the little Hills, the weird freaking huts, houses, the, the, um, that everything the about house. it, you want to know a hobbit. Yes, you want to know a hobbit. You want to walk through those doorways. You you immediately want to fly to New Zealand and go visit this place because it's so beautiful. And you want to fight for home like Sam and Frodo fight for home. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's wild how well the hobbits belong where they are. Does that make sense? Like yeah. you see 
the hobbits belong in those holes. They just are perfectly made for the holes. When you get to Rivendell, the elves are perfect for Rivendell. They're kind of graceful in these high arches and all these things. Yeah. And later you see the men and they their homes in the mountains like really reflect the men. I, I love how every single uh, type of person in Lord of the Rings belongs where they live in, the, in uh, a way that they're like connected the, to it. The genius of Tolkien for sure. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like partially what our, our next question is. What do you see the Shire as symbolizing or representing? Because I see it as what like, you're already talking about home and all these things Tolkien brings in it. But in a way, the hobbits, they, they don't like outsiders, right? Like Gandalf is, what do they call him? They, they describe him as a disturber of the peace. Disturber of the peace. It's, it's really interesting because it's, it's home. And eventually, though, to become a hero, you have to leave home. To become a hero, you have to go outside of your comfort zone. But no hobbit wants to go outside his comfort because no hobbit wants to leave the Shire. No hobbit wants to leave his hole, his, um, all this comfort he has there. But for Frodo, for Sam, for Bilbo and the hobbit to become a hero, he has to, he has to leave. It's great. It's like the back of that, that, uh, focus shirt. I used to say, um, you remember, uh, you know, all those comfort color shirts that all the fraternities and sororities have, uh, focus yeah, yeah. had a slogan on the back of one is, um, you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. I always thought it was genius. I always thought it was really clever. They should have paid that person a million dollars who came up with it. Are you kidding? That's great. That's, that's Pope Benedict the 16th. He I know, but it's, but it's clever because <laughs> he probably did get paid a million dollars, but it's great. It's clever oh, you're saying because the comfort, comfort color. Colors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that, isn't that great? I, I think oh, it's awesome. I thought it was another uh, episode of attributing to... <laughs> Popal, papal uh things <laughs> Curtis to <Martin>. focus yeah, yeah. <laughs> um was it no but it was uh, jp2 that is I, yeah, JP2. I think it was benedict it was benedict jp2 stop sure. it you're a liar all right okay what, what do you got what do you got uh so uh the hobbits themselves are much different than the rest of the hobbits which is i think is another a great aspect of all this is the hobbits themselves are better than the hobbits that they uh that they leave behind the hobbits are xenophobic. They are a little racist. They're very much set in their ways. Really? Like, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. They like hate outsiders. They don't trust anybody besides this, themselves. If you're referring to the incident with the dragon, I was barely involved. Which is just the, you know, the in, in Frodo, Sam, Mary Pippin. It was Benedict F. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention to you, Nate. It was Benedict. The world offers you comfort. You were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Okay, you can keep talking. You act like I don't have a master's in theology. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but that doesn't matter to Frodo, Sam, Pip, and Barry, that the the hobbits they leave behind are kind of small-minded. They fight for them anyway. And I think, like I said, that's important for all of us to have a sense of home, whether that's our actual home whether that's our friend group that we went to college with, whatever, wherever we go. And, and it it's becomes the family unit. Like we know our families, except for little Paul and Claire, they're perfect, but most of our families aren't going to be perfect. Right. But we still have this home setting that we're going to go fight for and die for um, despite all the flaws back home. So mm-hmm. I, I love it. I love, uh, I love fighting for home. Yeah. It's amazing. We're not perfect. I yelled at Claire yesterday because she took, she couldn't navigate correctly. But I apologize. Like five seconds later. Oh, yeah, felt, it felt really bad. Yeah, her phone doesn't work real well. Um. Okay. This is where uh, the book and the movies are a little bit confusing. Uh, I I think is like 
it opens up with Bilbo's birthday and how big of a deal it is. But the, the movie is, I, I think it's a little confusing for, for no, someone who's never read it before is like, why is Bilbo's birthday such a big deal? Gandalf, my old friend, this will be a night to remember. Well, he's 111 years old. That's amazing. <laughs> so would that be, uh, 111? 111 years old. He's just an old dude. So, but how old do just, hobbits normally live? Um, the oldest hobbit ever was 144. Wow! I how think. do you, you freaking know that? I made it up, and that's how you just have to say it with <laughs> confidence, Al, and everyone will believe you. The well, oldest hobbit ever was older than that, but um, but not much. Like they, they it's very old. Most, most okay, of them don't, okay, don't live that that long, and it's cool because it's Alec. One one one. That's a cool number. I would yeah, love I to live. And that. the way he says eleventy one is pretty cool. Eleventy one. And I think also Bilbo's just the most famous Hobbit in the Shire. He he went is on he this really? adventure. Oh yeah, he came back with all his gold. He he fought a dragon, and there's all these rumors about him. He's very elusive and strange. And and for him to throw this, he's also he's like the richest Hobbit in the Shire. So he throws this enormous party mm-hmm. on his eleventy first birthday. It's also Frodo's birthday. Um. It's it's his coming of age, so that's I forget about that. Yeah, so that's it's just kind of the double, double thing, double aspect of it all. So that's there's not there's not really anything besides that, and and the fact that Frodo or Bilbo decides to pass on the ring, which we should we should talk about the ring here. Okay. Okay. Um, so the ring was made by Sauron, mm-hmm. and Sauron packed. Not all to be power. confused with Saruman. Very similar. Which, why names. the frick would he have the same that same name? That's similar. Have you ever? Yeah, it's it's very it's very confusing. So mm-hmm. Sauron packed all of his power into this ring. Um, he's very connected to it, and the ring kind of has a will of its own. It, it wants to be found by uh, Sauron, but also the ring would grant power to whoever owns it, whoever puts it on his finger. Mm-hmm. Of it's a power of like domination of. Um, and it's according to the will of whoever uses it. So if you have a very strong, powerful will, um, you can you will be able to dominate people. Like Bilbo wouldn't even if he tried to, he wouldn't be able to wield it like Sauron because he's like not evil. To, so like we give it to Gandalf or Aragorn, they would so use Gandalf, it. Gandalf, yes, they would be able to use it in a hugely powerful way because they're they are powerful. Um, but it would always taint their what they tried to do even if they started to try to do good things it would taint it because it is uh by by design an an evil object that tends to evil one ring to rule them all one ring to find them one ring to bring them all and in the darkness fight them um so you can see in all of this these actions that you you have good intentions with, but they always tend to evil. There's a there's a ring of sin to that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, no matter what you do with this thing, it always will will go badly. Uh, that's that's uh, kind of like do the wrong thing with the right intentions, or, or uh, the right thing with the wrong intentions. It doesn't oh, okay. matter. It mm-hmm. always goes badly. Like the ends just don't justify the means. Okay. Right. Right. Um, and there's a, also a corrupting nature to it, which is another aspect of sin. So you see characters like like Gollum, even Bilbo, uh, the longer they kind of have the ring, the harder it is for them to let it go. Um, mm, Sam, okay. for example, takes the ring. He has it for like a half of a day 
uh, and he's able to let it go kind of easily. Uh, you know, uh, Tolkien, we talked about last time, isn't necessarily writing an allegory, but it's hard not to see sin in that. Yeah, the totally. You the corrupting sin, nature. The you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this great priest who used to, to work for focus he was a chaplain but now he's now he's in nebraska somewhere his name's father jay buman my brother drew told me he gave this great homily one time at the office and he uh he comes up he's uh he's a really awkward dude but he's an incredible preacher and he comes up in daily mass and he kind of winds up looks at the crowd and goes so i'm fat (laughs) (laughs) and like kind of holds his belly and he says and it's not like I just woke up one day and I was fat. It was a long process of many beers, donuts, and starts rattling off these things. And he says, much like sin is a long process. I thought it was a great, great analogy, but I just love that he just, he winds up with. So um, I'm fat. Yeah. If Drew ever gets fat again, you should, you should tell him to start a homie like that. He has to buy new clothes, man. He he really looks so good. Looks he so looks different. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I digress. Uh, on, uh, let's keep moving here. Um, so, why? Um, I, I've always been confused of, and, and we we're just talking about the ring here. Is why would Gandalf let Frodo take the ring with no protection? He just like sends him with Sam, and these ring rates are running around. They're scary as heck. Um, they they scare the poop out of me when I was a little kid. They still do sometimes. They're, They're scary very scary creatures. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're super scary. Even uh, th- those age really well. The the scariness of them for sure. Um, so why would I Gandalf... can't believe you saw it in first grade, man? That would yeah. be so young. Yeah, I was... makes a lot of sense how you turned out the way you did. Mm, yeah, that's right. Strong, strong. courageous. Oh, strong and courageous, right? Uh huh. I suppose you think that was terribly clever. Why would he? Yeah, why would Gandalf so, want to take it? Well, I, and it is confusing that sequence in the movies. Um, but it was if Gandalf wasn't sure what the thing was. Okay. Um, he had to go find out. He he rode all the way to Gondor. He figured it out. Um, and then by the time and, he and realized, in the books, it's like seventeen years, right? Mm, it's, it's yeah, a it's a long, long, long period of time. Uh, and by the time he he figured out that these ringwraiths were after Frodo, mm-hmm. he he was with Saruman, this other wizard and uh, Saruman imprisoned him. Um, so that's when that takes place. And, and Gandalf can't get back to Frodo to help him. out. So it's um, quite a bit different in the books and the way the movie portrays it. Yeah. Yeah. It is So Gandalf knows about it in the, in the movie and he's like, Hey, be careful. You're going to be attacked on the road, all these things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, in the books, he, he tries to send word. He sends a letter to Barlam and Butterbur at the Prancing Pony and Barlam and doesn't pass it on. Yeah, I know. Should name, should name Paul that. Shoot. Barlam and... So, yeah, it, Gandalf um, just was caught up. He was delayed, as he says. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Um, Great voice. Thanks. Okay. So they're, they're moving along. I, I, I have those first hundred pages are, are tough. I, I don't know about you. You love every single minute of the books, but those first hundred pages are tough. Tom Bombadil is a guy that appears in the, the, the books. Do you think he would have been good to have an appearance in the movie? 
I don't think he would have worked in the movie. And Tom Bombadil, if, if y'all haven't read the the books, yeah, who is he? He's a he's a character. He he protects the hobbits on their journey to to Rivendell. Um, he wears yellow boots and a yellow hat. He sings and uh, dances, and he's got a, a wife who so cleans the countryside. The she like becomes a she can become rain. It's it it's not really clear what he is or who he is. Uh-huh. Um, he's, an he's not a wizard. He's not a uh, man. He's not an elf. He's something different. And I, I do love that Tolkien wrote it in um, because, you know, we've talked about that Tolkien's uh, fantasy and his stories is a mile deep, has every single uh, person has a backstory and every single land has a history. Yeah. Um, but there are occasionally what's called like these textual ruins or um, things that don't really have an answer. Tom is one of those things. Textual Tom is just ruins. like, he just, Ooh. mm-hmm. He shows up. Did you come up find with that? Out, no, I did not come Damn up with it. that. So, he, yeah, you, you find out a little bit about him, but just enough to say, like, this guy has a story, and, and I wish we'd hear it, but we never will. And in the, the journey uh, to Rivendell, you'll actually see some of this um, along the way. Like, in the movies, they show a little bit, but in the books, you, you see these pillars on the side of the road, or you see um, paths created by huge hands or, or, or something like that. And it's never explained who made these things, where they came from, hmm. or even like legends, stories, things like that in the books that uh, are just touched on and never, never fleshed out. Wow! I think that's yeah, it's cool. It's a good way to fill out the world because not everything is always explained, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a tough read, I would say, though. I think that's that's one of the the more difficult parts for me because I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And and it's meant to be confusing, like you said. Um, so they they keep going after Tom Bombadil. He kind of protects them. He's a little source of of comfort, I guess, um, in the middle of their journey. And they finally get to the prancing pony. In the book, are they supposed to meet Gandalf there at the prancing pony? Yeah, he's supposed okay. to be there. Bree is that right? The name of the place. Um, all right, they get to the prancing pony. Now here's a question that I am incredibly proud of. I've already pitched it to you. Where does the prancing pony stand on your list of best bar names in fiction? It's a, a, it's a great list. Um, so here's what we got. I got, I got the leaky cauldron mm. from Harry Potter, the hog's head in. What was that from? Is that from? That's uh, Harry oh, Potter. That's, that's Harry Potter too, right? Yeah. That's where they stay in Hogsmeade, right? Um, I think it's in Hogsmeade, yeah. Moss Eisley Cantina. Where they only have one song on. Um, right. Moe's from The Simpsons. The Snake Hole Lounge from Parks and Rec. Pretty sweet name. The Drunken Clam from Family Guy. The Green Dragon, which is, I think, actually better than The Prancing Pony. Wow. Or the Rings. Yeah. And then That's Seb's, a better song that goes along with it. Yeah. Seb's from La La Land. Oh, baby. I have a nephew named Sebastian. I really want to make him a sign. A, a neon sign. Oh, yeah. Seb's with the little uh, apostrophe. That's a, the one that... Note. The one that Emma Stone made. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor Richard's yeah. from The Office. Great bar names. All of these are so good, and they all perfectly are what what the name says they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. poor poor Richard's is like is the perfect bar for that crappy bar the that office. they go to all the time. Uh-huh. And the Hogshead, Leaky Cloud, and all these. And this the Snake Hole Lounge is one just specially. 
mm-hmm. I can just picture the writer's room at, at Parks and Rec. Like, we need a douchey name for a club that none of us would want to go to. <laughs> and they come up with the snake hole. <laughs> Tom, Tom would come up with, for sure. That's great. Yeah. That's a good call. They, they were definitely laughing about that when they came up with it. Uh, the Hogshead, I, I actually feel like you could see that in, in somewhere in, in, like, northern England. Like oh, for sure, totally yeah. be a real – uh, a real bar there. The Leaky Cauldron, I think, is the most genius one, though. That's, That's my favorite. Leaky so Cauldron's cool. a great name because it's magical. The cauldron aspect of it, it's perfect. It's, it's just perfect so funny. Name. Yeah, yeah. Why would you ever use a Leaky Cauldron? It's genius. Mm-hmm. And it's a little yeah, good job, J.K. place. Yeah, she did good. She did good. Okay, great answer. Did she ever make it? Is she still doing okay? I hope Finish I, that series? She's, she's got, yeah, she's got enough money. She'll be okay. Okay. Um. All right, so they're they're at the the prancing pony there. <laughs> this part always makes me laugh. I can't take it that seriously because it's outrageous. How stupid do the Nazgul feel after stabbing the fake hobbit? They have to feel so silly. Oh, like, oh screaming. Like, can you believe this? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they they literally like... just screech. Oh man. What do you think they're actually saying in their language? Like, what the f? Oh, I bet. I wonder if they're laughing. They have to see. They have to see the humor in it, right? Like, yeah. oh, that we thought we saw these. <laughs> they got me good. It. They got us about, good. Don't you think they could have smelled them? I don't know. I just there's just so many questions here that there is a lot. I mean, here, Al, I don't want to have to say this again, but in the books, uh, <laughs> the the the, the, the ringwraiths can't see. They 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 can smell kind of, and their horses can see, but they're not like physical. They don't have bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can't, they can't like use eyes. They're drawn by the ring and they are like can sense goo and stuff like that. But, uh-huh. um, so that's a little, little different, I guess. And that this scene is not in the books, but it's a great scene. I think it, it's it amazing. Actually, Every time I'm like, Oh, are they going to get killed? Yeah. If you're watching this the for movie? the first time, you're, you're scared to death, but it's so silly, honestly. Uh-huh. And then let me ask you this. The, the hobbits are asleep the next, like uh-huh. across the street. Uh-huh. Could you sleep in a situation like that? No, no, like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm people, like peeing my pants in the corner. Right. Uh-huh. Monsters sure. out to kill you, and Mary and Pippin are just dozing off. Like, oh, well, see you guys in the morning. Oh, yeah, breakfast is ready. Mary and Pippin were asleep for sure because they are idiots. Truly um, idiots. Yeah, but we will, we will get to that more and more. Um, no, you're definitely not sleeping there. So Aragorn, already pretty shady, creepy guy, if, if you ask me. He's like – the scary guy who hangs out at the bar all the time that I wouldn't want to meet at the bar. Would you trust him? Um, you know, I don't know if they had a choice. Uh, it'd they be hard to, help. they had, they needed the help and he offered the help and there were reasons to trust him. Uh, the letter referred to him. Oh, um, okay, okay. So the letter that they got, we don't see it. We don't see a letter in the movies. Mm-hmm. Right. He's got um, a great first opening line. What is it? You draw far too much attention to yourself, Mr. Underhill. Mr. Underhill. You draw far too much attention to yourself, Mr. Underhill. Yeah, yeah. He's a, that's a great character introduction because it's so mysterious. And, uh, man, Aragorn, what a, what a boss. And, smoking and, a pipe. Smoking a pipe. Mm-hmm. Love the dude. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's kind of a jerk. He's very mean <laughs> um, and a little bit haughty, I would say. Mm-hmm. If I may use that word on the, yeah you you may yeah yeah uh, a little high mighty guy too nice nice self referential um, there <laughs> yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> all uh, right I don't know what okay all right we're we're moving along here so we're trying to kind of follow the the plot here um what do you so they 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 keep going and they go into that um 
what's the place called? The top, the top of the hill. Weather top. Uh, Weather top. Ah, oh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm not as a scholar as you are. So idiots light a fire, attract the ring rates. This was the scariest scene for me as a kid. I, I, I had nightmares about this so much. I think it's so scary, but what's the significance of Frodo's stab wound? Um, because this well, is pretty confusing. It doesn't go into it a whole lot in the movie. So a couple of things. When when Frodo wakes up and they're they're they have a fire going, he he goes like, "What are you doing?" And yeah. Put of, it one out. Of them goes, one of them goes, "Oh, just cooking up some tomatoes, some bacon over." <laughs> just tells him what's on the menu. It's so hobbity. Um, and then yeah, the the actual attack is also hilarious because. Uh, they never like you. If you watch it, one of them is fighting Aragorn, and the other are literally just dancing in the background with their hands up up in the air, not doing yeah, anything. Totally, totally. Um, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the so the wound itself is, I don't know, any way to describe it other than it's like a magical wound. Like this is a wound this is a blade. Stay yeah. with him. It's a magical blade that was has his own you know spells whatever, and part of it stays in his arm. It gets knocked off. So the point of the the stab, the wound, is that, like I said earlier, they don't have bodies. They're just like s- pure spirit and, and will uh-huh. that, that's completely tied to Sauron. Yeah. The point of the wound is to turn Frodo into one of them. And that's what it will do if he, if he doesn't make it to Rivendell. He'll gotcha. eventually become a slave. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So. Okay. Um, Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, I, did you ever play the the Lord of the Rings video games? Yeah, this uh, was a super I had hard one on level. Game Boy Advance. Oh heck yeah, nice! I had it on Xbox. This was a super hard level because you had to like stab him and then get him with fire, and then the the scene would end. The level would end, and Aragorn. It actually have a clip of the movie, and Aragorn would throw his fire, and it would get oh, him wow. in the face. It was freaking cool. Uh, yeah, I never, no, I, I mostly played sports as you can tell from my, uh, oh, yeah. okay. okay, from my intimate knowledge of all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get on. Let's move on to, uh, this Rivendell, um, Rivendell and Minas Tirith are, before they get to Rivendell, <laughs> wait. this, this question's great. What? Uh, the, the, the freaking horse chase scene. What do you think Peter Jackson was trying to make this out? So it'd be like a car chase scene. I don't what think do you mean? this is like one of the few moments of the movie where I'm like, ah, this isn't that good. <laughs> That's a great scene. No, it's like the a stupid... chase through the woods. No, it's like, it's just a fake car chase scene. Well, they're not on but cars. They're on horses. It's a horse I chase. Know, I know. I don't think you can do a horse chase scene that well. It's just okay. Oh, this is a bad take. Horses no. are cooler than cars. They each have one horses, horsepower. I would agree. Horses <laughs> each have one horsepower. That's great. So, yes, they are cooler than cars, but are they cooler to watch in a movie racing than cars? I've never heard anyone say something like this before. Horses right. are cool. Because yeah, yeah, when they're galloping horses are everywhere. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're watching them, you ever seen Baby Driver? Car chase scenes in Baby Driver are unbelievable to watch. I love the Fast and the Furious movies. I don't know of any – horse in the wilderness chase movies that i've liked since spirit which came out in like 2003 Spirit was a was a great, great movie great, great movie, soundtrack great flick. 
I don't know. I think that you can do a horse chase just as well. It'd be different than a car chase, but it, you could do a really good one. And I think this is a pretty good one. Well, you know, Arwen the worst thing that happens to Arwen is she she gets she cut in the face with the little branch. Right across her face. Uh-huh. Uh, great cut, yeah. though. Very nice clean. I wonder mm-hmm. if that's real. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. You think she we can get her on? Okay. All right. If you, you don't like the take, I, I, I like the take. But um, I think it's a cool chase. If you want him, come and claim him. Okay. Okay. What were you talking about, Rivendell, though? Oh, yeah. Just uh, we get to Rivendell. Welcome to Rivendell. Um, you prefer Rivendell or Minister that we see uh, later on? I think if I'm going on a retreat, I'm going to Rivendell. But if I want to live, I want to live in Mar- Minas Tirith. I want to just kind of, you know, have my neighbors all around. I don't know if I'd want to live with elves. I think they'd be, it'd be like living in a monastery. It wouldn't be that much fun. It would be. And I think elves probably walk slow. They seem like the types to walk <laughs> slowly everywhere they go. And I hate slow walkers. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, another thing there, so they're in the middle of the mountains. Um, I wonder Ooh. about bugs. Like they're outside all the time. Yeah, they, that's right. probably eat outside. Mosquitoes got to be a thing. I don't, I don't know. like mosquitoes. It probably one gets day. old. Mm-hmm. Probably gets old after a while. Be a great retreat house, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I would be like the screw up there because they're perfect pretty much, you know. It'd be like living with, I don't know. It'd be like living with St. Thomas Aquinas. It'd be the worst. Yeah, the elves are really a bunch of assholes. They're they're so like they're very mean. Not saying St. Thomas Aquinas was an asshole. He might the elves. The elves were though. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. Uh, That's pretty mean. Um, But I do think Rivendell is more beautiful. Hmm? Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is gorgeous. All right, so we we got the the. the Fellowship, the Gathering. What are they? Actually, what's that scene called? Um, the Council of Elrond. Council Al. of Elrond. Dang it. Dang it. I know. I'm sorry. I forgot that part. All right. How much money do you think the person who – actually, people don't make money off memes probably, I'm guessing. But who do you think came up with, the, for the very first time, the Boromir meme? One does not simply walk into Mordor. One does not simply walk into Mordor. It's Black Gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There is evil there that does not sleep. And the great eye is ever watchful. It's a great meme. <clears throat> I wonder if they monetize that stuff. But it, yeah. it's a, it is a good meme. Boromir, man. Here, here we are introduced to Boromir. Yeah, um, yeah. One, of, one of the best characters, I think, in, in, uh, in all of the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. We love, yeah. Yeah, he's only in half of one book. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he, he gets a little bit of flack here because he's pretty much kind of the bad guy for most of this part. He's got a few great moments like where he's teaching Mary and Pippin to fight. I love that scene. That's a great shot until he sort of stabs him and gets beat up by hobbits, which would never have happened. Um, but it's really cute. It's like it's like the like Paul trying to beat me up. He's like, oh, oh sorry, I didn't. Yeah, it's so you. fun. It's so yeah, cute. It's he's great. Teaching him. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, we'll, he's kind of the secondary villain, I would uh-huh. say, but in a way that is not is not necessarily the bad guy. I, yeah. I think it, the, that scene in Lorien, maybe we'll talk about, uh, really hammers home that he is just he really wants to do what's right for his country, for Gondor, he, right, right, for his. He home. literally mm-hmm. he cannot see a way that what they're doing is going to work 
mm-hmm. and he just wants to let his people survive not for his glory not for anything but like he just out of duty to his country so right and and that's why it's it's tough to see him i, I think in the movie you watch this for the first time you just see him as this douchey greedy uh power hungry guy and now he honestly is a good hearted man and we see glimpses of it but we don't see a whole a whole lot of how, how much he really cares for his home it's pretty great mm-hmm. he's a great character Mm-hmm. Yeah, Great. I love how uh, they set up him and Aragorn too. Yeah, how they're, uh, they're, oh. they sit together a lot in the movies. They're, they're just like sitting, smoking, walking mm-hmm. together. Yeah, um, yeah, because they are related. They are kinsmen, mm-hmm. uh, both Gondorians. But Aragorn, yeah, uh, yeah. Aragorn. We'll, we'll talk about his death in a little bit because that's Woo! that's probably my favorite part. Probably my favorite part of the whole all the movies. It's incredible. Well, no, not my favorite part, but it, but it's up there. It's great. Um, so one one of the big questions when I watch this is. How, the, how does the fellowship it comes together pretty quickly it seems like in the in the movies but why does first off why does frodo how does he become ring bearer so easily and also why do they let all of the various people into the fellowship yeah it just it really just settles together uh and then i'll say it again in the books uh, in the books it takes a lot longer yes thank um, you but yeah, I think that they they chose an elf, a dwarf, and a man, Dormir, uh, Gimli, and Legolas. So they represent all of the free peoples of Middle Earth. And then they take uh, they have to take Gandalf because he's the kind of the leader of this whole thing. And Aragorn's the future king. They got to take Aragorn. And then they what's weird is they take the, the other hobbits. Yeah. Sam kind of makes sense because he's Frodo's servant. Definitely picked last on the bench. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then those other two. They're the fat well, kid in the back of class. That why? Be the only one what on your they bring? Mm-hmm. And you actually, so from a big picture, like looking back, you know, uh, Mary hel- helps bring down the Witch King of Agmar. He has a huge role to play. And, yeah. and Pippin saves Faramir from being burned alive. Mm-hmm. So they both have huge roles to play that no one foresaw but they they went because they wanted to go at the end of the day they it just they seems ridiculous given, yeah they they wanted to go they said yes we, we are going and it's and gandalf had a feeling i guess that they would do some good by the end mm-hmm. which you know they had a role in gandalf's death pippin when he knocks over the armor in moria yeah, wakes totally. up everything. And yeah, that's like, Pippin can't be more of an idiot here, but he does become more of an idiot <clears throat> even later in the yeah. movie. Pippin was allowed again. asked to go home by Elrond. He's like much younger than everyone else, and Elrond's like, you really? need to go. I didn't yeah. wow. But Gandalf overrules him, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, now we're up in the mountains. It's great. Beautiful shots of New Zealand. It's so cool. How cute do those hobbits look being carried by They're them tiny the little baby oh, hobbits. Oh, man, so just cute. little babies. It's great. Dude, I, how do you think they've filmed all this? Because, I don't know. I wondered so, so many I, I think if I've seen pictures of all four of the little hobbits are taller than Gandalf. IRL. No. Yeah. They're regular dudes. <laughs> IRL. <laughs> Throwing that in at the end. No way. That's so crazy. Yeah, but they managed they just for the magic of cinema. That's great. Uh, and if you also if you watch closely, tiny. Legolas is walking on top of the snow, which was a really great touch. Great, great for the fans. For the little real elf. Fans, uh, you know? That's pretty cool. For the real. Uh, elf, elf how many there. toes do you think the hobbits realistically lose in those mountains? It's crazy. Yeah, so the casual viewers may not have noticed the hobbits never wear 
shoes. They have big, hairy feet. hairy feet. And they never put on shoes, and they're just walking up in the mountains. It's crazy. I don't yeah. know. I'd love to get my hands on some of the prosthetic feet that they wore. I love the – oh, oh, interesting. That'd be a just, great, like, fun thing to have in your house for parties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Like, hey, you, you know whose feet these are? These are very, Frodo's. Frodo's feet, man. They, they carried them to Moria – or to, to, to Mordor. That'd be great. That's yeah. great. <laughs> I, I think they lose at least a couple toes each, each foot. Um, the biology behind that would be fascinating. I wish Tolkien would have uh, written in there some of, like, the – how the biology worked behind their feet. Hmm. I don't know. Great question. I bet he has a rough draft somewhere in his like summer home that, yeah. that details all that. We haven't found it yet. We'll uncover it in a few years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unanswerable question here is you shall not pass. Is that the most famous quote from the Lord of the Rings? You shall not pass! I can't think of another one that is more ubiquitously associated with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, absolutely. I, everyone mm-hmm. thinks of this. If they have, if they know one thing about it, they, they've heard it before at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the greatest reference of it was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Have you seen that before? Oh, it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> God, there was one week when you, you wore sweatpants. Every day. You shall not Oh, you know what? If they were Sean John sweatpants, it would have been fine. But because they're Costco brand, it's like the worst thing I could do. Uh, yeah, it's a great scene. And that is another great scene that the movie's nailed. From um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that that the, is an amazing scene, though. Fellowship. Yeah, it's just they do a great job in Moria where it, it's really scary at times and really uh, shows the, the how scary that would have been to be in trying to get through this cave and you, you're surrounded by orcs and the the cave troll freaking god this freaking balrog shows up it's so scary okay i I don't know about you but how many times did you have to watch this when you were growing up before you finally understood as gandalf is hanging there from the cliff and he says fly you fools i swear i i every time i watched it i was like drew what's he saying follow the fools what is he saying i i could never figure out what he was saying fly you fools I do not remember not knowing what he said, but I think that's because as soon as you know what he said, you can hear it perfectly. Did uh, you know what he I said? I don't remember. I don't have okay. the same memories okay. of you. But you also thought, I've heard you on multiple occasions in different movies say, uh, yeah, I, I suck say that you heard a different thing than what they actually said. Yeah, yeah. I Leading your hearing into questions. I, I suck. I'm not a very good auditory learner. Like in lectures and dental school, I, I do not pay attention. That's why quarantine has been amazing. I could just study the PowerPoints and not have to go to lectures anymore. I, I also, in the two towers, when they're all standing there and uh, they see the armies for the first time, they kind of show Saruman's armies. It sounds like they're saying, this is what you're thinking of is, it sounds like they're all marching and saying, tens of thousands, tens of thousands. <laughs> they're not saying anything like that. No, no, I don't know what they're saying, but they're definitely not saying tens <laughs> just, of thousands. Just put a, put a line on them. Yeah, yeah. That would be um, good if they would have. Mm-hmm. That's funny. 
Yeah, no, you shall not pass. The 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 most famous quote from the movies. Uh, I'd love to. I'm not prepared right now. Don't don't ask me now. But just to do the best quotes, because uh, there's some some gems. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, we could do like a post pod with that. That'd be great. The people want it, man. Yeah, just they give it need to it. Them. They need it. Okay, that's great. All right, so we're we're another quote here. We're, we're gonna we're gonna move into the um, the Lorian elves. How many times? Or how often? When you pour something at a dinner dinner table, dinner party, whatever, and you tip the pitcher over, do you say things that were, things that are, and some things that have not yet come to pass? Things that were, things that are, and some things that have not yet come to pass. You know, not as often as I'd, I'd like. Um, it, it doesn't come up uh, terribly be, often. Yeah, I'm you got to be around the right crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, it really doesn't go over. No, well. it doesn't work. All right, you should try it with Emily's family sometimes. See how it goes. Mm. <laughs> Probably get mm-hmm. beaten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. Freaking nerd. nerd. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. Wow. <laughs> That's great. That's a great quote, though. One of the, one of the funnest things to, to um, replicate in Lord of the Rings. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. Kind of a weird sidebar there in, in Lorien. It's not fully explained in the movies, but um, a good resting place. I, th- I yeah, think anything Tolkien, you want to touch on. Yeah. Well, he just builds in these little resting places uh, in the adventure. Kind of unexpectedly, they find a home. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that in the story. Yeah, I don't know. We can get I saw, into it. But. I saw something um, on. Uh, I was kind of reading, doing some research on this, and I, I saw someone was trying to claim that this was symbolic of confirmation with Galadriel giving them their gifts, the resting place, the like sending forth basically of the fellowship, uh, which I thought was a really interesting take. Like the real idea, like she gives Sam the rope, right? Um, mm-hmm. She gives Frodo the light of. Oh gosh. I'm not going to say it. You say Elevin. Erendil. Erendil. Um, they all get these super cool cloaks, which protect them from whatever the heck they want, basically. Um, yeah. The rest of them all, they get, uh, you know, swords. Gimli yeah. actually gets strands of her hair because oh. he was so in, like he said, you're the most beautiful. He was so Gimli is like dwarves and elves don't get along. Mm-hmm. And he meets this elven queen and, you know, finds that she's the most beautiful creature she's she's ever seen he's ever seen but um yeah i mean i this could definitely be um a confirmation i, I it's really hard to say what tolkien had in mind it's kind of right. like right, if he, he if he, he's surrounded by if a man is surrounded by catholicism like in your writing even if, whether you're meaning to or not you would write in catholic things does that make yeah. sense yeah is because yeah. that's just what you're you're in sacramental uh, sacramental moments within the story sure mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it does fit so i forgot to touch on this but the day so the the fellow the fellowship leaves rivendell and in the book it's described as a as a late december morning um really it, yes and later you find out what day it is and like seven days later it's the first of the year something like that so it never is said in the book but you can do the math and it's december 25th that the that the fellowship sets out and then the, the ring is destroyed on March 25th, oh, which is that's the cool. enunciation. And traditionally it's, it's also Easter. Um, wow. 
Yeah. That's so, really neat. Wow. Pretty cool. Very, very cool. I didn't know that. So you said traditionally Easter as in like oftentimes that's an Easter celebrated or what do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, there's just some traditions that it, like before it was nailed down as uh, the, whatever the moon. I have no idea. I don't think anyone knows how they figure out what first full moon after the solstice or something. I think in some traditions it was like, it's always just March 25th oh, or, okay. or the actual date of Easter was a March 25th, I guess. I okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. More, more so but, like Christmas is always December 25th. Okay. That's really interesting. Right. So, good, good stuff there. Huh. <laughs> Very nice. Um, okay, we're here. We're we're getting close to the end here. Um, and we got we got to talk about Boromir. So, what do you? Uh, we we already talked about his character as a whole, but when you when you watch this, is this the most powerful moment of of the fellowship for you? Watching his death. I think it, I think it is. I think it has to be. So when Drew and I were in high school, we would come home. Um, and we went through a semester of Fight each almost other. every day we would go home, run to the basement and skip forward on the DVD to this scene and watch the whole scene. <laughs> um, from, from when Aragorn says, go, go. And he tells Frodo to run mm-hmm. and he fights all those orcs by himself all the way up through, uh, Boromir's confession. It, it's so powerful. It's a perfect it ending to his character and a perfect, um, breaking of the fellowship where there has to be a separation of the ways. It's, it's uh-huh. an awesome scene. Yeah. I, so I, I had actually a pretty powerful experience watching this just recently when I, when I watched with Claire for the first time, cause I've, I've never really liked Boromir until I've really started to understand his character more kind of like what you're talking about. I understand more so of where he's coming from, why he wants the ring, why he misunderstands the ring. Um, what I saw in, in these moments is, is he, he, tries to take the ring from Frodo, right? It's this moment of, of lust in him. It's what I see it as. And the look he gives when he falls down, Frodo disappears, right? He falls down. He's got the leaves in his hair and he looks and he's just distraught. Frodo, Frodo. And he, his face is so saddened and anguished and totally ashamed and that's exactly how i feel after the the moments after sin and particularly after lust like those moments i've fallen in my life into whatever whatever forms of lust like right afterward that's how you feel it's just yeah and that's so wretched moment where you're like oh my gosh what did i just do and yeah i agree with you totally and in two different ways in particular one like the way you described it as he like yeah he wants the right thing but he wants it in the wrong way and that's mm-hmm. that's lust you know that's like, lust, it's right. a desire for the right thing and in, in Bormir and us when we when we do lust we're just trying to get it in the wrong capacity right and right. then it's, it's like sex is beautiful sex is amazing but mm-hmm. when we reach for it in pornography or masturbation um, anything outside of marriage, it's these moments where you're like, Oh my gosh, immediately after you feel just like, like that, that face he gives is so it's scared. It's it, it, right. And like, I can't believe what I just did. Like I, mm-hmm. I would never, if I was in the same situation right now, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But I, I think lust is so is like definitely the most immediate of all of the regret. Yeah. The like if I'm angry, happened. I'll stay angry for a couple hours. Yeah, or if yeah. I if I'm lazy, I'll be just lazy for 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 a day. 
but uh-huh. with lust it's like as soon as it's over it's like that's it i, I regret that i wish i had yeah. it was not worth it yeah. Uh, yeah. which is exactly what boromir does like he is lusting after the ring that's uh-huh. a really cool way of looking at it uh-huh and then and then though it like that's this is why his character is absolutely phenomenal is his penance is is um ah man he just it leads him into something great though he doesn't allow it to become Judas. He doesn't like go and, and uh, kill himself. He's, he doesn't wallow in it. He, he lets it like, he avenges himself almost for it. You know what I mean? Like he, he goes after, he protects these hobbits. He kills orc after orc after orc until finally he's like dying like St. Sebastian, getting arrow after arrow in his heart. It's such a great way to show his transformation in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and given the opportunity, he would have, um, he would have died, even for Frodo, uh-huh. um, if he had been in the right situation. But mm-hmm. uh, he just didn't set himself up to be in the right situation. And yeah, exactly. He he suffers. He suffers the consequences. He really does. Yeah. But he he suffers in an admirable way, uh-huh. which is what we're all doing. You know, we all are suffering these consequences of 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 sin, whether it be our personal sin or the big OG sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all suffering consequences, but uh, the, the original sin, the OG sin. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, or but we have to choose to to separate to, uh, uh-huh. to, mm-hmm. to suffer them. So this confession, this this yes, ending yes. for Boromir is unbelievable. Um, he's he's there dying. He's he's laying in in Aragorn, the king, a Christ figure. You know, he he is descended from kings, and he is the the once and future king you know so i think this is definitely a confession where boromir doesn't hide the fact that he didn't have to tell him you know no no i tried to take the ring from frodo everyone uh-huh. was never going to find out but but boromir tells him says i i failed you and Aragorn says no you've, you've won a victory um and then boromir asks for his sword he needs it in his hand so he can remember his strength and he says uh, i would have followed you my brother my captain my king and he dies i love that line i think about those three uh those three Titles. sayings all the time so when i'm even in in adoration when i'm in prayer that's how i even think of jesus in this way those jesus is you know all things wow. to you wow. but he is your brother he is your captain and he is your king um and you can you can ch- i change that into a prayer instead of i would have followed you you know i, I will um i will follow you so I, I think that this scene, and they, they nailed it in the movies. It's, it's not really in the books like this, and I think it's much better in the movies. Um, they do a really cool job. Of this, yeah, it's this powerful. Scene. It's emotional. It, it really does evoke emotion in me. And, and just like we were talking about in the last pod, it's, this is where the sub-creation of Tolkien uh, really, really like, it sends our eyes to God. It's truly spectacular how he captures that deathbed confessional. And, and, and makes you feel for Boromir. Um, and, but also you, you just, you, you love to witness this conversion on his deathbed. It's so special. Really, really, really great, great moment. I, I don't know if it's the most powerful of the three movies, but it's definitely the most powerful of the fellowship. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it ends, uh, I think the best movie, a perfect little movie. I, I truly think that this, yeah. everything about this movie is, is, uh, really well done hero's journey uh-huh. the uh 
the from the start in the shire to the end where they're all separated i think it's awesome mm-hmm. yeah that's great love it um so real quick before we finish up did the fellowship need to break apart you said that earlier something about like this is like the fellowship needed to break apart why, why did it need to break apart well i i think for uh a couple of reasons they couldn't walk into mordor as they were with nine of them mm-hmm. um they needed a small group that was aragorn's plan was to to take uh just him frodo and in legolas maybe and go to go to Mordor and try to sneak in that way. Wow. So for, for that reason, it needed to break up. But I think also just from like, I, I you know I mentioned the hero's journey a couple times. But so from a from the storytelling perspective, you need this for Frodo and Sam, um, and for Merry and Pippin. You need them all to be separated because their journey so far. One, they they start in the Shire. You have this moment where you're told that they're special somehow they're different it's the same in a lot of movies harry potter he starts in this you know boring place uh he finds out he's special keanu mm-hmm. reeves in the matrix he starts as a computer program finds out he's special uh, and it's then the, the ordinary world and then it thrusts you into the chaos world he's mm-hmm. thrust into this chaos they have these mentors whether it's morpheus whether it's dumbledore whether it's gandalf the mentors are taken away mm-hmm. and then and then the the hero has to go out and do it on his own. So this is Frodo's moment and Sam's moment. They're separated from Aragorn and, and Gandalf, uh, and they have to go do it on their own. And I think, you know, from a storytelling perspective, it's it's just such a great way to uh, break them off from the mm-hmm. yeah break them off from the uh, advice that they receive from mm-hmm. from their heroes from the okay. uh, Aragorns to Gandalf. That's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah, it is great. It is really like I feel scared for Sam and Frodo though the whole time. I have a tough time watching the scenes with Gollum. Gollum's freaking creepy, but also I just I'm all constantly scared. Like if anyone were to find him, they're dead. They're dead for sure. Oh yeah, um, so they they have no power. I can't wait. Yeah. We we shouldn't do it now, but we should. I can't wait to talk about Sam and Gollum. Two amazing yeah. characters. Yeah, great characters um, for sure. We'll get into it. Um, did you, last question, do you have anything as the book expert that you wish they would have included in the movie? Uh, you know, there's just little bits and pieces that are really cool, uh, that aren't in the, like, for example, Legolas shoots down one of the winged Nazgul that we see later, um, in fellowship there, there's one that flies over the river and Legolas shoots one down. That's a really cool scene. Um, there's there's more there's a little bit more in the very beginning which i know you said was so boring but like the the plot to get out of the shire and things like that you just see a lot more hobbit hobbitness uh-huh. uh, which is very funny tom bombadil's another one i don't know though they, i think this this one in particular this movie they did a great job of deciding what should be in a movie what's in what's out mm-hmm. not everything in every book should be in a movie like harry mm-hmm. potter as much as I hope, I actually do hope we can talk about this later. I hope they remake those movies. Yeah. I mean, in, in 10 years, they can you take know, all I'm, my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I hope they do it in different ways, but you could, you'll never have a movie that shows everything in the book because what's in a book mm-hmm. isn't necessarily going to be interesting. Ultra detailed comparatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I love the, the extended versions, which you have not seen, which is absolutely mm-hmm. absurd. Nate, it's crazy. um, I meant to make fun of you for it the entire podcast, but uh, I love the, cause the first like few chapters of the fellowship are called concerning hobbits. Is that right? Um, and the, uh, 
introduction or appendix. Yeah, introduction or whatever. And, and the extended version does a really great job of capturing even more of how amazing the Shire is. So I just, that's just what I miss when you, if you don't watch the extended version. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll check it out eventually. Great. Great. Nate, anything else before we close this one out? I don't think so, man. This is good. I feel like we've uh, been going for a while. But, yeah, it's uh, been fun. <laughs> I hope we didn't bore people with our with our, our details. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's still listening. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, great. I hope they listened because that last part of Boromir was the most meaningful part. Yeah, maybe we should bookmark certain uh, timestamps, you know, and say, like, skip ahead to the, the good stuff at the end. Yeah, but yeah. I loved I – loved, I could talk about this for, for two more hours or yeah. for, for a long time, man. I love this stuff. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, I didn't start off with a Nate Doggy Dog, so I know the Nate Doggy Dog. That was it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All hey, right. Guys. Love you, Nate. It's been, it's been fun. Yeah. I love you, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. We'll see you later. Bye. Remember today, little brother? Today.